Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And it's great to have you with us this morning. So we're in this series called Foundations. Everybody say Foundations. Foundations. And I'm wrapping up the series this week with this statement. Come on, why don't you read it with me? I have given unique talents. No one can see it. Let me pull it up on the stage. It says this. I have been given unique talents from Jesus that can be used to make a positive difference in the world. And we're going to be opening that up this morning as we look at a Bible character that this resonates with. The foundational statements of Arena are this, to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose and to make a difference. These are the things that anchor us to what we do in Arena Church, who knows it's important to know God. The Apostle Paul, I often say this, at the end of his life, near the end of his ministry, he said, I want to know God. So that shows me that knowing God is not linear, it's not, I graduate from growth track and then I know God, it's cyclical. We keep coming back, we keep going round, we're learning more and more and more. Finding freedom, we continue to come into freedom throughout our lives. Our, our purpose is constantly revealed as we get to know Jesus, as we continue to serve, and we're going to look at that today. And we make a difference to varying levels in different periods throughout our lives. But one of the most Google terms in this world is, why am I here? Come on, we've all wrestled with this, haven't we, from time to time. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Can I make a difference? Or am I here just to take up some space, to take up some room, just to suck air, as people might say? I want to tell you today that that's not the case. You have a purpose. You have a reason. God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. And we're going to be looking at that today. We know that foundations are so important, don't we? We've been talking about that a little bit and I had a bit of a look again at foundations and I don't want to go over old ground. But the second biggest building in the world, it took about eight years to build. It's, in, it's the Shanghai Tower in China. Do you know, does anyone know how deep the foundations of a normal house are? About a metre, that's the regulation, one metre deep. That's not very deep, is it, for a normal house? For the Shanghai Tower, which is about 1,700 stories, the foundations go 282 feet deep. That's about 17 normal two-story houses deep. That's how deep that is. It shows me this. If we want to grow big, we have to build deep. The other interesting thing about the Shanghai Tower is this. It took about five, uh, sorry, it took about six years of the, um, the construction to build the foundations and the, and the spine of the thing. It took about 18 months to complete it. Now, what do people go and look at when they see the Shanghai Tower, when they look at the photos? They don't go, oh, let's have a look at the foundations. You can't see much. They look at the exterior, the, the windows, the way it's constructed. Wow, it's so beautiful. But here's the interesting thing about that. Lionel Messi said this, he said, it took me 17 years to become an overnight success. And that's so true for our lives as well. You know, what God is looking for is for people who will go deep, for people who will do the hard yards when no one's watching, so that one day they can be used for significance. 
Isn't this what happened with Jesus? Almost hidden for 30 years. And then three years. Took him 30 years to become an overnight success. All of a sudden his ministry, people are following him in everywhere. He comes to prominence. You know, use the moments of anonymity. Not to become bitter about what's not happening. Not to become frustrated. Not to become fed up. Use the anonymity to go deep so that you're ready to go tall. That's what we're talking about with these foundations. So we've had a look at this statement already, but like I said today, you are not here in this world just for your own comfort. We are the kings of comfort, aren't we? Has anyone been into a a bed shop and said, oh, give me the most uncomfy bed? Nope, no one's ever said that. Uh, Have you ever been and sat down at DFS or the sofa place other sofa places are available, and, and sat down and gone, this sofa is too comfy. Now we're looking for the comfiest sofa. The problem with this, that's okay, isn't it? That's a, a menial and trivial thing. The problem with this is that we are so drawn to comfort as human beings, aren't we? We're drawn to comfort in our lives. We, we like to run away from things that may be scarers. We run away from things that, that we feel that we haven't got the potential or the power to overcome. And that means that if we're not careful, we get stuck in this comfort loop. Whatever decisions you've made in your life, whether they've been bad or whether they've been good, whether you've lived a life up to this point of comfort, whether you've lived a life of selfishness, whatever it is up to this point, I want you to know today that you have a purpose. God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. No matter if your life to this point has been a complete mess, God has a plan for you. Like the words of um, Mordecai to Esther in the Bible. He says, you have been called to such a royal position for such a time as this. I want you to know today you were placed in that office not by accident. You were placed with a purpose. You're in that school for a reason. You were in this church for such a time as this. Don't be deceived into thinking that you're just meandering through life. I know that people here today, because the number of people, you know, you might have been told that you're a mistake. You might have been told that you're a waste of space. You might have been told that you'll never amount to nothing. I want to tell you, that is a lie. Because my Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on today. Stop tuning into the wrong voices. You might have heard that from a young, young age. I want you to know today that you are loved by God. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Come on, say it. Someone say it. I am created on purpose for a purpose. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. And today we're going to look at a scared boy. We find this scared boy in Judges 6 who turned into an amazing leader, one of the greatest leaders In the Bible. So Judges 6, verse 11, it says this The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged, that's not Oprah, by the way, (laughs) Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but, 
just take this in the context it said. We read the Bible in such a sanitized way. Gideon is literally giving the Lord like some shade. He's like, pardon me, Lord. If the Lord is with us, why, why has all this happened to us? He's like, if you're with us, like, why is my life such a mess? If you're with us, why is our land such a mess? That's what Gideon's doing. He's, he's like giving the Lord some attitude. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Attitude, like my son, he'd be on the steps for that. <laughs> the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Just a quick parallel. Where have we heard this before? Moses. Pretty much the exact same language. I, I love this story. I, I love the, the humour of it. I love the honesty of it. I love the realness of it. You know, sometimes I think we come to God in too much of a sanitised way. God is okay with your doubts. God is okay with your fears. God is okay with, with what you're worried about. God's okay with you coming and saying, God, like, why am I here? He's okay with all that. He wants your honesty. The funny thing is, we try and trick God like he doesn't know the, the way of our heart anyway. Like he doesn't know the shape of our heart. Like he doesn't know the desires of our heart. And we try and trick him into thinking, oh yeah, God, I've got it all together. But I love that Gideon came with his honesty to God. Now people often ridicule Gideon at this point or, or maybe point out the insufficiencies of his current situation. We're definitely going to look at that. But I think there's something to be commended to him here. And there's something for us to learn. That if we want to discover our purpose, the best thing we can do is to just serve. Is to just serve. You see this so often in the Bible that great leaders were called from a place where they were already serving. Even if they weren't fulfilled. What about Moses when God approached him in the burning bush? He was tending to his father-in-law's business. What about David when he was anointed to be king? He was looking after his father's sheep. What about Joseph serving with all diligence and with an excellent heart in Potiphar's house and in the prison? You know, the thing is with, with Joseph, like he had to do it a few times because he, he, he was sold into slavery, being from a wealthy family being the most loved and adored in his family, and, and, and he probably needed it because he was arrogant probably at that time, but he was sold into slavery. How many of us at this point would have said, God, you are clearly not with me. I'm going to do what I want. But he goes to Potiphar's house and he serves with excellence and he serves with diligence. And then honouring God, because he said no to Potiphar's wife who, who wanted a peace. He said No. He gets put in prison. Here's another opportunity for him to say, now, I've had enough now. What does he do again? He proves 
that he's got an excellent heart, that he's got an excellent attitude. He continues to serve so that he gets made the, 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 the leader of the prison. He was serving with excellence and diligence. I can even make a case for the Apostle Paul. Does anyone want to hear, hear my case for the Apostle Paul? Wasn't he serving the religious people of the day when God came to him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Misguided. But at least he was doing something. And what about Jesus? Come on, the, the one person who maybe had, uh, you know, an excuse not to do anything, to hang around, to wait for this big call on his life. I don't think anybody in the history of the world has had a bigger, a, a bigger call than Jesus to be the saviour of the world. But 30 years, there he is, chipping away at a table. You know, he's a joiner, he's a woodworker, serving. But people come to me and say, Josh, I, I've got this big call and I, I'm just waiting for it. But people who often come and say that, they've been waiting for a long time. I don't, Josh, I, I don't feel led to serve on the hospitality team. I don't feel led to serve in the car park. I don't feel led to serve on the stewarding team. So they don't serve and stagnate. This is not the model we see in the Bible. The Bible says that planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. We get planted by serving, not by attending. You know, we live in a world that is a consumer mentality. It's, a, it's about what can I get? Me and Helen, we Guys, I need to repent. After church last week, I had four takeaways last weekend, okay? It's real. Look, I'm just being real with everybody this morning. I feel the need. I need to. We went to Burger King after church last Sunday and we were waiting in the car park and I was like, this is a disgrace. I've been waiting for 10 minutes for my food. Consumer mentality. Everything needs to be quicker. It needs to be faster. It needs to be better. And it's all wrapped up in this. It needs to serve me. The problem with this is that it's coming to the church. Church is not here to serve you. We as the church are here to serve Jesus in this world. You know, if, if Jesus so loved the church that he said he laid his life down for it, shouldn't we? Yeah? So we're not here to consume. We're here to serve. Do you think that David felt, felt led to tend the sheep? Or Joseph felt led to serve in the prison. Do you think that, that was his big calling? Of course not. But they did what God had said to Moses. God asked Moses, he said, what is in your hand? Another, another way of saying this today is this. What can you do? What can you do right now? Okay, great, you've got this big vision, you've got this big dream for your life, you want to do this, this and this. That is awesome. But what opportunity have you got today? What can you do today? You might not feel led. You might not feel like you come alive when you serve the teas and coffees. I, I tell you what though, when I get served a coffee or see Sharon Bennett, wherever she is doing coffees, I feel like she does come alive wherever you are, Sharon. Come on, let's give Sharon a round of applause. Where is she? I don't know where she is. There she is at the back there. I can see her. We were in growth track the other week. We had like 25 people, I think, go through growth track. And 
The last one is about discovering your purpose and making a difference. And Rob Calderwood, who is here today somewhere, he might be out, he said that he said that um, he said that he comes alive and he, he really found his purpose and he found so much fulfillment when he began to serve on the door. Why is that? Is it just because he's great on the door? He is amazing on the door. But it's not, it's because he got planted in God's house. And Rob would be a man, and he would tell you, if you want to go and ask him, he would be a man who, who would have said, I, will ne- I would never ser- imagine I'd serve in church. I can't do it. But he got involved where he could. And how good is he at doing that? So we're called to be planted. What can you do? I want you to know today that you can serve, that you do have a gift. And if we want to see the cause of Christ furthered in our world today, we need you. We need all of us to come together and say, God, I'm going to bring what I have and I'm going to lay it at your feet. I talked about it in Acts. This Acts church was so powerful because it said they came to the apostles and laid it at their feet. That's what we're called to do for the church of Jesus. To bring what we have and to lay it at our feet. I want you to know today you'll never find your purpose sitting on your hands. I've never seen anybody find their purpose sitting on their hands. Never seen it. Please don't use the excuse to not serve that you're seeking God. I've heard it so much. We've heard it. I've heard people who've been praying for years and years and years about where they need to serve. You don't need to pray if you need to serve. It's in the Bible already. We're called to be planted in the house of the Lord. Of course, praying and seeking God on, on what, where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do is good, but it shouldn't take us years and years. The problem is God probably gets quite frustrated with us because we ask him things that he's already revealed in his word. I guess people hear you think, oh yeah, Josh always wanted to be a pastor and that was always what I wanted to do. It wasn't. What's happened throughout my life is that as I've been planted, as I've served, God has continued to open up my, um, my purpose to me. I, I've been serving in church since like 13, 12 years, old, uh, years of age, maybe a bit younger. And I really thought, the 18, I thought, you know, being a pastor's a mugs game. I'm going to be a worship leader. You know, they're there at the front. They've got the singing. They've got the dancing. They've got it all. Wear the skinny jeans, you know. So, you know, at that time, I was looking. You know, my, I was like, you know, my wife was down the front row. Well, she was my wife then. And I was like, yeah, here she is. Come on now. <laughs> I thought that, that being a pastor was a mugs game. Like, you get all the problems. You get all the issues. Who wants to do that? So I continued to serve and I served on worship and then I began to serve on the youth just because that was what we did. We got involved with the youth. I served a few other leaders Friday nights for about 12 years, midweek meetings. There was a time when a few of us in here, to be fair, especially before coronavirus, we were probably serving in church four, sometimes five nights, days a week because we wanted to be planted. What am I saying here? Am I saying it to get a pat on my back? No, not all. But I just served where I had opportunity to serve. And people continued to speak things out of me, speak things over me. And then I got asked to lead the youth. 
And then, again, years and years of preaching Friday nights, uh, preaching to three or four people for quite a while, preaching to 10 people, preaching to 20 people, preaching to 30 people, and we, I don't know, we, we got up to a, a great number uh, uh, in, in our youth with some people in here today. And um, why am I saying that? Because really, it was, it was in the darkness, it was in the shadow, when people weren't watching. And then I was asked to preach in church one day, and people were like, wow, you know, Josh has come from nowhere. Well, yeah, it's taken me 30 years to, come, to, to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? And then I was asked to lead this campus. The point for all that is saying this. I found my purpose. God continued to reveal my purpose as I served. You know, the Bible says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we're in his word, as we serve God, it's a bit like... You know if you've got a piece of cotton and you hold the cotton and the, the ball goes and it goes forever, doesn't it? I, I see it a bit like that, that God unravels our purpose in front of us. As we serve and as we walk in his way, as we seek to have a heart to serve, as we seek to have a heart to please him. I, I really don't believe that if you have a heart to please God, I don't believe you can make a wrong step. If you have a heart to please him, if you have a heart to serve him, if you have a heart that comes before him every day, God... I want to follow you. My point is this. What's in your hand? What opportunity have you got now? Stop moaning about the opportunities that, that you don't have. Why don't you focus on the opportunity that you do have? And let's serve there and see what God does with it. And here we are. We come back to Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. Doesn't that sound strange? Like that wasn't what they did back then. He was doing that because the, the, the people of God, they were so downtrodden. They were so scared. They were so afraid that everything that they produced was getting taken by the Midianites. They were um, enslaved. They, so they were basically playing this massive game of hide and seek where they were called, they were living in caves around so that the Midianites wouldn't get them. And Gideon's there in this wine press made for making wine, you know, really you should thresh wheat on the threshing floor, which is out in the open and it makes everything a lot easier and the wind blows and the, the, the bad stuff goes and the good stuff stays. But he's there in this dank, dark environment trying to get a bit of food, hiding, weak. See, this man and this people, they were so pathetic in this moment. They were so in fear that they couldn't even get some food without it being stolen off them. And that's why it's funny when the angel of the Lord comes to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Have you ever had that when someone like points you out and you're in a crowd and you're like, me? <laughs> I think that's what Gideon's doing at this moment. The Lord's with you, mighty warrior. I thought I was here on my own. It's funny. It's like, the Lord is with you? Mighty warrior, like you don't know me, you've, you've got, got it wrong. And it brings me on to my next point, that God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. God sees something in you that currently you do not see in yourself. God was not speaking about Gideon's present reality, he was prophesying his future. 
I want you to know today that there's people in this place that you have a big call over your life. You have great potential. And I don't want you to keep focusing on where you are now. I want you to look forward to what God is going to do in your life. I don't know what's been said over your life. I don't know how many mistakes you've made. I don't know your current situation. But I do know this, that there is a God who died and rose again so that you can step into life and life in all its fullness. There's a God who died for you, who is calling you, like he did Gideon, from the darkness of the winepress, from the anonymity, from the brokenness, from the hiding place that you're currently in, and he's calling you into the wide open space of his abundant life. You might say you're a mess, but God says, I'll turn your mess into a message of my grace. The world might say you're a nobody, but he says, in my eyes, you are a somebody. You might say you're broken, but he says, I take the broken things and I make them beautiful. Is there anyone here today who says, I want to step into my call over my life? I want to step into the bigness that God has for me. God is calling you out. He's saying, come forward. Come forward, mighty warrior. Come forward into the bigness. Step away from the mess and step in to your future in me. He's speaking his security into your insecurity. He's speaking his confidence into your fear. He's calling you into the big life. Come on somebody, why don't you say it with me again? I have been given unique talents from Jesus that can be used to make a positive difference in the world. So God greets Gideon like this. Gideon has a bit of a moan and a complaint if you know it. And he says, look, I'm nobody. I'm from the least family and I am the least in my family. Has anyone felt like that before? Inadequate for the the call that God's placed on your life. Inadequate for what you're even doing right now. Inadequate for the task at hand. I have. If we can be honest today, I think we all have at some point. And if not, then maybe it's time to start taking some bigger steps of faith. Now, while this isn't where God wants us to stay, I do think God is looking for those who are humble to be used by him. You see it so often throughout the Bible that God uses those who maybe think too less of themselves. And he uses them to bring about A great deliverance. See, I get worried when people are forever telling others about how great they are, the big things they're going to do. I often think it's a barrier to what God wants to do in them. And God can, of course, he can deliver us from arrogance, but we won't graduate in arrogance. He uses the anonymity of the threshing floor to build in us a foundation of reliance. He uses the hours when no one watches to bring us into the moments when everyone's watching. We can learn a lot from Mary, the mother of Jesus, in this. The angel of the Lord came to her and said, you've got this huge calling. You are going to bear the king of the world. You're going to bear the saviour of the world. and He's going to be your son. And people will say that you are the most high favoured of all women. Now, In our day and age, some people, they might take that and go, 
straight to Instagram. Hey, hey everyone, look at the angel. Hey, angel of the Lord, can I get a selfie? Uh, uh. <laughs> Telling everyone about how great this call is, how big it is, what they're going to do, where they're going to go. Did Mary do this? No. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible, and this is something that we all need to learn. She has this great call. She has this great prophecy. And it says this, Mary held it in her heart. Come on, can we have the discipline to hold it in our hearts? What God's called us to, there are things I am holding in my heart that no one knows about. There are things I'm holding in my heart that only my wife knows about. There are things that I'm holding in my heart that only those very, very closest to me know about. Can we hold it in our hearts? It's so important. If you have a big call, that's awesome, but don't force it. Don't push for opportunities. Hold it in your heart. Serve to the best of your ability and see what God will do. Do we trust God to open the right doors? Because what we're saying when we try and get our own opportunities, when we try and push doors open, what we're saying really is this, that we don't trust God to open the doors. The Bible says that God promotes. So let's trust him with the call over our life. We can't circumnavigate God's process. I want you to know today that your potential is not promised. Your potential is potential. It's what you have the opportunity to fulfill. So back to Gideon. After some discourse and complaining, after him telling God he's a nobody, the angel of the Lord goes, go in the strength you have. And again, I, th I think Gideon's like, don't you listen? <laughs> I I've got no strength. I am nobody. But the angel of the Lord says, go in the strength you have. See, it can be really easy when God's asked you to do something or when you look at a task, when you look at something that you were called to do, to look to the left and the right and say, God, just send Nathan instead. God, just send Louise instead. God, just send Jordan instead. Isn't it easy when you look at, you know, we could have done that, Louise could have done that with what's happened with Care for a Coffee in the food club. She could have said, no, it's too big, Mansfield's too huge, I'm going to wait for an organisation to come in and sort it out. It's easy when we're faced with a big call to look to the left and the right to compare and say, no, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, God send somebody else. Reinhard Bonnke tells this story on the, on the time, he was an amazing evangelist, went to, be, uh, went to heaven a few years ago. And on the eve of seeing the millionth person saved through his ministry, he went to God and said, God, why me? Why did you choose me? And he says this, that God said, two other people said no. Two other people said no. Stop comparing to what you see to your left and your right. God has given you the call for a reason. There might be, in the natural, there might be more people who are better. There might be people who are better speakers, better talkers. There might be people who are practically better, who have it, you think, all together. Stop comparing and complaining. Look forward and step into all God's called you to. Go in the strength that you have. Not in the strength that someone else has. Go in the strength that you have.
Comparison will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your purpose. It will rob you of the full life. So stop it. You aren't accountable for your friend's life. You aren't accountable for your friend's potential. You're accountable for yours. And here's the next thing I see. That Gideon trusted God. See, the wine press for Gideon, I think it had become a comfort blanket for him. It was, a pla- it was a safe place. It was a place where he felt comfortable. It was a place where, you know, he felt, I'm doing my thing. Yeah, I'm serving. But it had become a comfort blanket for him. And today, I think there are people in Arena Church that you are called to more. I think there are some people today who are starting to feel the nudge from God to step out and to step up. And it can be scary when we step out into the water, like when Jesus called the disciples and he steps out and he puts the the foot out of the boat and he's like, am I going to go down? And I think that's exactly where God wants us. In that place where we have to step out and say, God, it's scary, but I'm coming after you. God, it's scary, but I'm going to take that step into where you have called me. God, it's scary, but I know that you are with me. I want to tell you today that there are pastors in this room. There are teachers, there are evangelists, there are small group leaders, there are business leaders, there are world changers, there are hosters, car park attenders, worship leaders, creatives who are being called into a new day of fruitfulness as God calls you forward. Stop reasoning away that that call in your heart and start coming to God each day and saying, God, show me. God, reveal to me what you've got for me. God, lead me into your bigness. Gideon then, he inquires of God a few times on the back of this call to go and liberate his people. And it's crazy, I think, sometimes that we look at the podcast, we go to the books, we go to YouTube, we go to the internet, asking about our purpose, asking about what we do, trying to learn, and then we never go to God. Do you know the best place to go if you want to find your purpose is to God? Enquire of God, go to him, speak to him, ask him, talk to him, be honest with him. Your friends are great, the internet's good, but there's nowhere better if you want to find your purpose than God. He's the one who made you with a purpose. It's okay to ask him about it. Now, I'm just working out where I'm going to go with this because I've only got about 15 pages of notes left. (laughs) Yeah. What I love about Gideon is in this moment, he trusts God with his future. He gets the response from God that, yeah, He lays a fleece out. Who's heard that saying, I'm going to lay a fleece before God? That's where it comes from. That's what Gideon did. He asked God for a sign that this was right. And he got the answer, come on, I'm going to go. So he went. And I don't know how he did it. I think this is a miracle in himself. But he he managed to rouse 32,000 people as an army. This guy who a minute ago was the least of the least, all of a sudden he's he's leading an army of 32,000. 2,000 people, which it sounds impressive to me and you, 
But I want you to consider that previously, in its pomp, Israel had an army of around a million people. So while it's impressive that Gideon did that, in the light of the Midianites, of how strong they were, of how great they were, this wasn't a huge army. So here Gideon is, thinking, he's pumped up, he's like, he's ready, I'm going to go and take him on, come on, we've got this big army behind us, are you ready guys? Yeah, we're ready, let's go for it. He's on the way, he's walking down and God says, wait, the army's too big. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything. Let's carry on guys. 32,000, is everyone okay? Yeah, we're doing good. Wait. The army's too big. So Gideon turns around to the army and he goes, the most stupid leadership thing in the entire world. He says, if anyone's scared, go home. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is like, you, you know, you're looking for your leader to say, come on, we can do this. I know you're scared. We can do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. If anyone's scared, go home. 10,000 walk away. Wow. That escalated quickly. Okay, we've still got 22,000. We can do this. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Wait. There's still too many. Okay, God. And, he, and God tells him to do this thing where they're going to they're drink from this water and he can basically only take people who drink this certain way from the water. And they go down to the water and basically it turns out that there's 300 who do it this certain way. 300. You've seen the film 300? Well, this is far better than that. You know, the 21,700, they walk away. And with 300, Gideon continues to move forward and trust God. God says this, Gideon, I want my people to know who delivered them. I want my people to know that it's my strength and my love and my favor that has delivered them. And they go forward and God wins the battle for them. The point is this, do we trust God? Do we trust him with our future? Do we trust him when he says to do some crazy things? Like I said, you will never see that in a leadership book to turn around to your people and say, if you're scared, walk away. But sometimes God calls us to do crazy things so he can do crazy things through us. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we feel that, that we're at the end of our tether. Sometimes he tells us to give when we've not got much anyway. Sometimes he tells us to give to what we might perceive people who might have more than us. Sometimes he leads us to do things that make no sense on this in this world, but they make a heck of sense to the kingdom of God. So that he gets the glory when the battle is won. We're called to trust him, to trust him with our purpose, to trust him with our future, to trust him to make a difference. And I don't think there is anything bigger in our lives that we can trust God with than our purpose. Say, God, I'm not going to fight. God, I'm not going to work it up. God, I'm not going to do it in my own strength. God, I'm not going to push doors that you haven't opened. I'm going to trust you. I am going to trust you. I've seen people get bitter, twisted, frustrated, hurt. Why? Because they've tried to do it in their own strength and it's failed. I don't want a gift from God that's not of him. He delivered this people. 
And this brings me on to our last point, that we're called to make a difference. We are called to make a difference. See, Gideon trusted God. He trusted him with the small things. And because God trusted him and he could be trusted with the small things, God gave him the big. He delivered the army into Gideon's hand. They won the battle and they ushered in 40 years of peace, it says. They made a difference. The 300, they won the battle, not because they were the most mighty, not because they had the most charisma, not because they were the most wealthy, not because they were the most talented, but because they were the most available. I want to ask you today, are you available and are you open? Because this people, this man Gideon, he qualified in two ways. He was available and he was open to God. See, this gets me excited because I think here we are in Mansfield and in the grand context of the world, it's not the most exciting place. There's New York, there's London, there's Paris, there's Barcelona, a million places that, that could be bigger, that are more exciting, that are more cosmopolitan than this place called Mansfield. It's a bit of a nowhere place in the middle of the country. And if we're dead honest, we aren't the best of the best either, are we? None of us are really that famous. None of us are maybe that influential. None of us have got that much uh, finance. Of course, we have gifts, but we aren't the best of the best. We aren't the best looking. Someone's going, Josh, speak for yourself. <laughs> but this gets me pumped. Because God, if God can do it for Gideon, he can do it for you and me. He can take the few hundred that belong to Arena Mansfield and he can use us to transform this town in which we live. He can use us to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it when he is the builder. Come on somebody, what can God do with a few hundred people who are open and available? Open to hear his voice and available to follow where he would lead. I want to tell you if we live this open and available life, God will use this nothing place called Mansfield to be a testimony to the world. Will we be an open and available people? As I close, there's just one more lesson. After all this happens, after the, the grandeur of this battle, the people want to make Gideon their leader, and not just Gideon, but Gideon's family for generations. It says this, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson. Listen to this, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. This is a test. And this is where Gideon could have said, yeah, okay, I'll take it all. I'll take the leadership, I'll take the rulership, I'll take the ownership, I'll take the finance, I'll take the respect, I'll take the honour, I'll take it all. But look at his response. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. When God wins the battle, let's not take the credit for it. When God does it through us, when God does it through you, don't stand there like, I'm the best. Because God saw you when you were at your worst. We stand there and we say, God, I give you the glory for all you're doing. God, I give you the honour. God, I'm not going to take it to myself. God, I'm going to point it all back to you. I am going to turn it all to praise.